Are Afghanistan the real deal? It's cricket, only better. It's cricket only better, 107. I'm Ed Hawkins, ready to slide into the weekend with the best, probably only, cricket betting podcast out there. We tell you what will happen. We win you money. Calm me down, Sam Collins. It is indeed, Ed Hawkins, the only uh, cricket betting podcast out there featuring you being doused with a metaphorical bucket of ice water. But who needs ice water, you may ask, when we have... A man with ice in his veins. It's Paul Krishnamurti from betting.betfair. Paul, hello. Hi, Sam. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. Do you get many intros like that? <laughs> no, never. <laughs> Excellent. Right, now, it's appropriate. Sort of. Mixed metaphors here, but you are you are on fire in the betting with plus 18.3, a roaring roster of winners from your last appearance. Um, can you brag to us, please, and let us bask in your glory? It is, yeah, it's going really well so far this World Cup um, on a number of levels. But last, the last few bets we had in the last podcast were New Zealand under 140, which paid two to one. Time Al Mills, top England bowler at three to one. And an 11 to four treble on, um, trying to remember what it was now. England to beat Bangladesh, Pakistan to beat New Zealand. And um, Warner. West Indies to hit sixes against South Africa. And the only thing that let me down for the whole clean sweep was Warner for the mm. accumulator to get under 21.5. But I'm quite happy with that because I could easily have had a single on that and I didn't. David Warner, eh? so many winners, you can't remember them all. Um, <laughs> right, well, we've got four games for you to decipher in this show, Paul. Afghanistan versus Namibia, India versus New Zealand, which is the big one we are calling, England versus Sri Lanka and Bangladesh versus South Africa. Ed Hawkins, what else do we have? Yeah, cricket writer Tasneem Summer Khan is back once again to answer this question. Are Afghanistan the real deal? Spoiler alert. Um, great stuff. Best bets are here too. They're free. They're massively in profit. Let's get on with it. Right, part two, kicking it off with the Betfair Exchange outright odds check on this T20 World Cup. All prices, of course, are subject to change. Favourites currently, Pakistan at 3.95, England have come into 4.3, India at 4.4, Australia 6.2, 19 South Africa, 21 New Zealand, 38 Afghanistan. We'll find out their value in a bit with Tasneem Samar Khan. Uh, West Indies and Sri Lanka out of it at 110 and 160. Ed Hawkins, can I please have your tournament lowdown? You can. I'll repeat what I say every single show. There's a massive toss bias for the chaser in this tournament. It now stands out at 16 wins from 22 games. There's also a massive bias for the teams hitting the most boundaries. A boundary percentage count is going 18 out of the last 22. If you want to know who hits the most boundaries, check out betting.betfair where we give you the cumulative averages of every side. Okay, England and Australia is the big one this weekend. The preview is in show 106. We've got to read out this tweet to Ed Hawkins, Paul, and, and get your views from the big cheese who says, Ed has been deep data diving all over the place, writing off mighty Aussies. Good to see the Aussies sticking it to the haters. Hopefully it will cost Ed a bit in the hip pocket today as well. 
Well, I'm one of the haters too, I guess, really, because I've been saying it for months too. I mean, fair play to them. They, you know, good win today um, early against against Sri Lanka. Um, I still think once they come up against the Pakistans and the Englands, they will be fair wanting, and I don't believe they're up to it. But you know, they might as well enjoy it while they can, the Aussies. <laughs> We hate their price. That's what we hate. We don't hate Australia. We just hate their yeah. price. It's all yeah. about the value, isn't it, Paul? So there you go. Absolutely. And, you know, they're just not, I mean, we're, make, we're calling, we're making a call about T20 cricket here. And the bottom line is they don't have a very good record in it and their players don't have a very good record. And, they, and the numbers do not point to that side being well balanced in T20 cricket. Maybe they, Maybe it will turn out and prove us wrong, but I'm not convinced yet. You can try and rationalise it all you like, Paul Krishnamurti. We know what you feel. Um, over to Ed Hawkins now for a stat of the week and unfortunately the Cricketomics charts and best bowlers to follow. Yeah, most reliable top bowler bets by percentage returns, minimum 12 matches. These are your top five from the bottom half. It's Nokjay at 34%, followed by Ashton Agar with 35%, Adel Rashid at 39%. And number two is Tabriz Shamsi at 41%. What is the common denominator between the last three? But top of the pile is Lungi Nagidi, 43.7%. South Africa won't pick him. Chennai won't pick him either. Will we ever be able to get a bet on him? Mm-hmm. Grudgingly, I have to say, congratulations on great data there, Ed Hawkins. Um, less grudgingly, in fact, very excitingly, I am now going to introduce Tasneem Samakhan, cricket writer and associate expert, who's going to join you, Ed, to deep dive on Afghanistan. Yes, indeed. Great news, folks. Tasneem Samakhan is back and she's going to solve a conundrum for us. We're trying to work out whether Afghanistan are a decent side or not. Tasneem Summer, can you answer that question? <laughs> I'd love to answer that question. I'll give you the very short version which is they are a really decent side. The longer version invites a little bit more conversation and debate and how far they could go against um, the various teams that they're up against. Uh, But I definitely think people are missing out by not getting to see as much as Afghanistan as as they need. Um, It probably makes them fail to realise just how potent they are in these conditions. And we have seen a glimpse of that, particularly against Scotland. Yeah, I mean, this is the problem we've got as betters and as betters who don't watch a lot of associate cricket. You've watched a lot of associate cricket. So we're seeing Afghanistan beating up Scotland and lesser sides and we can't quite work out whether they're going to bridge that gap to better sides. Now, they may well have done that against Pakistan. They're playing as this podcast goes into production. So are they definitely a side who who can take down a big gun and... Who is going to be most vulnerable against them? Oh, the first part of that is absolutely. If we cast our minds back to the last T20 World Cup, um, I believe um, they were they were maybe one of the only sides in the later stages, the only side to beat the, the winning uh, West Indies team. I think that was probably an upset at the time and maybe a lot of people brushed it off as it doesn't impact the West Indies run. It won't affect what's happening with them. Um, but, but these are really the ways that we end up winning on a day-to-day basis. I think people would probably argue with Pakistan-India Maybe Pakistan um, 
took themselves as seriously as they should have, but India failed to do the same. So all it takes is, is a glimpse of um, hesitation on the day and a side that is good enough can absolutely pounce. That's what um, Afghanistan are. In terms of which of the sides could they take down, I think a big part of this Afghanistan question is toss dependent. We know how heavily the UAE does favor spin. And um, I think it's pretty well settled in the cricketing world that these might be the best three spinners that you have, the best spin attack in the whole world. So if the toss is favorable to Afghanistan, I really think they could take any of these three sides, the big three sides they have coming up um, uh, in their next few matches. But I think particularly susceptible are probably New Zealand. New Zealand are not the best of those three sides at playing spin anyway. They've maybe made some cardinal mistakes um, going into this competition. They've made some very strange, unexplainable last minute changes with their batting order, which we saw against Pakistan. And I think if they persist with that style, they are really primed for Afghanistan to be able to take a game away from them. Um, we might consider their lack of um, seam bowlers, um, uh, their weakness. Obviously, they've got those three spinners bowling in tandem, Mujib, Rashid and Nabi. Um, I believe in their last match, Mujib and Rashid took between them. And between the three, they've got leg break googly, googlies in, um, in Rashid. They've got Mujib, who bowls traditional off-spin mixed with leg spin and googlies, and then Nubby, who is one of the most useful all-rounders in the world with those very valuable right-arm off-breaks. And I think a lot more of the UK audience will have seen these three guys, particularly Nubby, because they've played extensively um, in the T20 Blast. So there'll be a real struggle for anyone who struggles against spin. Sunday, November the 7th is your Afghanistan versus New Zealand game. Interesting stat cup come up this week actually with Afghanistan and we also talk about a boundary percentage a lot on this show and how important in yeah. a tournament which we think is a great leveller for the bowling attacks because of what these pitches are doing how important it is to smash the ball out of the park and Afghanistan they're up there with West Indies in terms of their six hitting percentage they're second to West Indies so they hit the more proportion of sixes than teams like England who have a terrific boundary percentage and are actually second to West Indies on boundary percentage. But Afghanistan are really giving it a belt. So can we trust them, Tasneem Summer, do you think, to do it against the bigger sides? Because all those stats are largely against other associate nations. And that's one of the issues we have with Afghanistan. Can we trust them to bridge that guide? Can they bridge that divide? And can they bridge that divide with the hitting? That's a really good question. And I think we often look at T20 internationals um, and fail to think about T20 leagues. So where the Afghans have way more experience than the internationals is in the leagues. And a lot of this squad um, that we've got in front of us are really experienced they learned their cricket in Pakistan, playing against the best of the Pakistanis. And on top of that, they've played leagues all over the world, including the Afghanistan Premier League, which was actually in Abu Dhabi in Dubai. So in these conditions. So we've seen a little bit of that. Um, with the APL, what's really relevant is we saw players like Ravi Bapara, um, Chris Gale. Um, so a lot of a lot of internationals of very high standard in that competition. So what I have seen a lot of is... Um, or not Hazratullah Zazai can play that way against Shaheen Shah Afridi. Played very recently at the PSL. He scored the fastest 50 in the PSL's history. So for me, they can absolutely bridge that divide. I think that question of a similar style to the West Indies is a really important one, though. High, um, high number of six per ball ratio, similar dot ball percentage as well. So it seems that their skills are quite similar um, to the West Indies. That hasn't worked for the West Indies so far, that six-centric technique in the UAE. But the key difference 
difference, and there's one difference in the batting is that Afghanistan have slightly more balance. They've got Oscar Afghan, who is a former captain, and he brings middle order stability like the choice of Darren Bravo would have brought to the West Indies batting lineup. And we've seen Darren Bravo do that on the slower pitches in the CPL. Oscar, Oscar Afghan is the exact same. With their explosive hitters like um, Mohamed Shahzad, who's returning to national cricket, Hazrat Al-Azizai, whose career strike rate is over 155, um, Remin al who's young but really tonks it as a number three, and Najib Al-Azadran, who, who may be my pick. He is in the form of his life. I think in the last game he went at a strike rate of about 175. You're up to date on Afghanistan, thanks to Tasneem Summer. Khan will be back again soon. Thanks, Tasneem Summer. Thanks, Ed. Excellent. Thank you, Tasneem. Now let's take a swift break and get into our matches, starting with Getu, Afghanistan against Namibia. Right, Afghanistan versus Namibia from Abu Dhabi on Sunday. Afghanistan priced at 1.22 on the Betfair exchange, almost as short as an established nation. Ed Hawkins, can I have a lowdown, please? Yeah, Afghanistan probably line up like this. Zazai Shazad, Gurbaz, Zadran, Nabi, Janat, Gulbadin, Rashid Khan, Mujib and Naveen. I think I might miss someone out there. Anyway, I'll come back to that. But yeah, Namibia, Williams, Van Lingen, Green, Erasmus, Vitsa, Smith, Freilink, France, Lofty E.T., Lofty Eaton, sorry, Trumpelman and Schultz head-to-head, 2-0 in favour of, of Afghanistan, but that last game was in 2017, so not much to go on. Ed Hawkins falling apart. Um, Paul, are you disgusted about those uh, that Afghanistan price, or is Tasneem Samarkhan right and we're on a steep learning curve with them? Yeah, I, no, I, I, I think she's right. I think that uh, we should respect Afghanistan and consider them really like we consider the established nations when it comes to T20. I mean, looking through that side, I'm struggling to find a weakness and I think they could win the tournament. I'm not saying they will win the tournament, but I think they're capable of it. You've got genuine batting quality. You've got depth. You've got intent, as we've discussed. You know, they're the only, they've scored the highest total of the tournament so far, 190. And critically, they've got a fantastic set of bowlers who are really well suited to these conditions. So, uh, no, I, I, I think that, Frankly, their certainties here for this game. I'll be amazed if Namibia win. I mean, Namibia have performed well. They've they did me a favour against Scotland, but this is a they're, they're not in the same league. Okay, thanks, Paul. Just in case anyone was concerned, they haven't heard from Ed Hawkins for a minute. Here he is with a stat. <laughs> yeah, I don't do enough stats. Rashid Khan averages two wickets per game versus fellow associate teams in T20 against. The top eight, it's 1.5. And the point of this is, sadly for Namibia, it's about that point of difference when they come up against actual quality, uh, they're really, really likely to struggle. So uh, that gulf is going to be too big for them to bridge, I suspect. And Offi, Thikshan for Sri Lanka, they were rolled by him. So I think it may well be the same story again. So it could be an extremes um, if they bat first, going under innings runs, certainly the par line, and then taking some crazy prices about less than that even. Is that the game, Paul, Afghanistan spinners against Namibia? Yeah, absolutely agree with that, uh, Fahmed. Afghanistan could well have 12 overs of spin here. And frankly, I just can't see how much, what run rate are they going to score off those? Certainly eight overs from Rashid and Mujib, you know, four and over max. 
I think that Parr will probably start on the run lines around 120, 130. It's just rarely any less than that. And I think they're going to struggle to get 100, to be honest. And I mean, Ed mentioned back in the extremes, even in that game against Sri Lanka, you could have got 100 to 1 on them, getting under 70, I think. So try something like that. Okay, side markets now. If you listened to Cricket Only Better, episode 106, you would have heard Richard Mann talk about the man of the match markets and bowlers increasingly coming to the fore. Never one to miss out on an angle or uh, piggyback on someone else's work. <laughs> Ed Hawkins has done some no, extra no, digging. No, not having that. I've done the work for Richard <laughs> Mann, I tell you. How do they decide uh, who wins the man of the match? That's what the question um, I was asking myself after Richard gave us that insight. So it's done by the commentary box team uh, for this ICC World Cup. Who is in the commentary box team? Well, you've got a 10-9 split in the commentary box in favour of bowlers and I think that may well be the reason why we're seeing bowlers getting far more awards than they normally do. Often it's bat dominated in the commentary box and I think it was went 6-2 in favour of Adam Zampa uh, over David Warner in the Australia-Sri Lanka game. Uh, so let's have a look at Rashid Majib here at decent prices that may well be the best side market pick. Oh, Ed Hawkins, that is that is excellent attention to detail. A big tick for this game. Um, good insight as ever. Next up, it's an absolute belter. India versus New Zealand on Sunday. The late game from Dubai. Betfair exchange prices have India at 1.53, New Zealand at 2.8. Ed Hawkins is going to tell us how they are going to line up. Does Virat Kohli do an RCB here and start chucking players out after one a uh, poor performance, or was it even a poor performance? Was it the toss bias? India, Rahul, Rohit, Kohli, Yadav or Kishan. This is where Kohli will have his say. Pant, Hardik, Jadeja, Kumar or Shadal Vakur, Shami, Chakravati or Ashwin and Bumra. New Zealand, Guptill, Mitchell, Williamson, Conway, Phillips, Nisham, Seifert, Santner, Sodi, Southie, Bolt. Your head-to-heads, India beat New Zealand 5-0 in 2020. That's... that's the year 2020, and it was 2020. It's five versus seven on boundary percentage rank, India versus New Zealand. This is easy, isn't it, Paul? Back the chaser here? You would think so. It's, it's an enormous toss bias, particularly at Dubai. I think that's the biggest toss bias of the three rounds. Uh, I mean, on that basis, I would say that two to one New Zealand on the exchange is really too big. Uh, you know, to employ a very simplistic line of thought, they were better against Pakistan than India were, right? They came a lot closer. And frankly, I thought they did all right against a pretty decent side. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on India here. So I think if you're taking two one on them pre-match, that's absolute madness. Okay. Ed Hawkins, Penny, for your thoughts? Well, I would love it if the chase uh, goes New Zealand's way. Um, I'd also love it if they picked Mill instead of Southie. Um, and if those two things happen, New Zealand... Batting second with Milne up front with the new ball. I'd be all over New Zealand. It could be probably one of the bets of the tournament, New Zealand to beat India batting second. OK, thank you. Um, Paul, any more convoluted strategies for us to look at here? Well, I'm not a massive fan of doing in-play runs at Dubai. Uh, it's a very predictable ground. A lot of middling scores. Last match here was 154. Again, bang in the middle. Um, 
But I do notice on the uh, specials lines, you can get six to five on both teams scoring 140 and nine to four on both teams scoring 150. And that looks way too big, really. I mean, in that 154, 155, batting looked pretty straightforward still. Uh, so I would go with that. I don't think we'll see the extreme low scores. Okay. Um, Ed Hawkins, who stands out in the side markets for you? Uh, some numbers which uh, suit Rohit Sharma. He averages 30 against New Zealand, strikes at 137. He's responsible for three out of the seven high scores versus India in all T20s. Uh, Sodi, top bowler. He's got a 33% return rate. He's also their highest wicket taker against India. So the matchups are good, and you're probably getting four to one. Paul Gushamurti, finish us off, please. Um, yeah, I think maybe we should look at man of the match again. Um, maybe Adam Zamp got plenty of turns at Dubai. Um, so possibly Sodi 20 to 1. I think Varun Chakravasti will be roughly the same. Today will be 14s, one of them. Okay. Um, thank you very much. Lovely stuff. Two more games still to come. And the bookies are quaking after what he did to them last time. It's Paul's best bets. England take on Sri Lanka on Monday from Sharjah in the late game. Plenty of water to go under the bridge before then, but England are currently 1.35 on the Betfair Exchange in an early show. Ed Hawkins, how do you think they're going to line up? I think they'll line up how they always do. Butler, Roy, Milan, Bairstow, Livingston, Moeen, Wokes Road, Rashid, Mills, possibly Wood. Nisanka, Kusal and Asalanki are top three for Sri Lanka. Avishka, Wernindu, Rajapaksa, Shanaka, Karanaratni, Chamira, Thikshana and Lahiro. England won six in a row back to 2014. They also won 3-0 in Cardiff and Southampton in June. Okay. Um, England would have played Australia while this was in production, of course. Sri Lanka, after losing to Australia, went straight on to play South Africa. So let's take a more general approach here. We know we've got a massive toss bias. So have you seen enough to make a case for Sri Lanka, Paul Krishnamurti? I do think they've performed relatively well. They've been, if anything, the surprise package of the tournament. But it does look like there's a really big class gap. The fact that Australia beat them so comfortably ultimately, albeit with a toss bias, makes me lean towards England. And the other thing is that this is at Sharjah. And I've been running through the um, past results at Sharjah in this and in the IPL. And it is extraordinary how often the team that scores the most sixes wins the match here. Really extraordinary. It's like 90% or something. Um, so you would have to say really Comparing the two sides, England will almost certainly hit most, most sixes. So I would take that. Uh, just to say, actually, on that, there's a market that Betfair offer, which is team it, each team to hit the most sixes and win the match as a double, right? And it's quite a boost. Like in the West Indies-Bangladesh game, for example, it's two to one on Windies to get most sixes, eight to 11, they do both. So in this case, if England are 1.3, 1.33 maybe to win the match. You might get 4-6, 4-7 maybe on that double. I think that's a pretty solid bet. Okay, Paul Krishnamurti delving deep into his Sharjah files. Ed Hawkins, same question to you. Any case for Sri Lanka here? Yeah, I think so because Sri Lanka has been surprising with how they've uh, shown intent with the bat. They did pretty well against Australia and that Australia attack has been tight and they're ranked number one on bowling. 
Sri Lanka number three on boundary percentage. Uh, no, number four on boundary percentage, um, I think. Um, so they, they can really go for it. And I just think England a bit one-dimensional, uh, yet to prove they're not one-dimensional, let's put it that way. Uh, so if Sri Lanka are bold, and obviously they need to chase, and I think also, can they get a, another spinner in there, maybe pick Dan and Jair De Silva, which gives them another spin option and lengthens their batting, or they could go for a killer Dan and Jair, uh, and chuck out Karen Naratney. Uh, they might give England a scare, but they've got to bat second. We have our headline, Hawkins accuses England of possibly being a little bit one-dimensional. Who knows? Paul Krishnamurti, any players that stand out for you in this? Man of the match possibilities, top batsman, anything worth mentioning? Well, I I like Tymel Mills again, top wicket taker, assuming he's around three to one because he's a quality death bowler and you won't go far uh, backing those people. It, uh, also... Um, I can't remember who tweeted it to us, but we were tweeted by one of our listeners earlier in the series on um, backing unders on fours at Sharjah, right? And it pays off almost every game. I noticed in the game prior to that, the West Indies uh, Bangladesh game, the line is 21.5. So if we can get 21.5 on fours, go unders, definitely. Ed Hawkins, let's find out who that font of wisdom is so get a proper shout-out next time. Um, thank you very much. You, by the way, you, I gather, before I move us on, you've spotted something as well, have you, Ed? Uh, yeah, possibly uh, Sri Lanka top bowler bet. Chimera, six wickets across those three games in England, got a win percentage, sorry, a return percentage of 33%, so it might not be the worst bet in the world. Okay, thank you very much. Um, Last but not least, we have got Bangladesh versus South Africa from Abu Dhabi on Tuesday. Back to you, Ed Hawkins. Yeah, Bangladesh, Naeem, Das, Shakib, Mushfakir, Mahmudala, Afif, Nurul, Mehdi Hassan, Nassim, The Fizz and Shoraful. South Africa, De Kock coming back in, Bavuma, Van der Dussen, Markram, Klaassen, Miller, Pretorius, Rabada, Shamsi and Nokjay. Bangladesh have never beaten South Africa and have a history of struggling against their pace. I think Bangladesh are an absolutely awful side, possibly the worst side in it. Uh, and that's quite a thing to say considering Namibia and Scotland are in it. How can you win the toss and bat versus England? Not only with the toss bias which is going on, but also the massive bias England have for chasing. Absolutely crazy decision. Don't touch Bangladesh with anything. I do wish you wouldn't be so mean, Ed Hawkins. Really <laughs> mean. Um, Paul Krishnamurti, how do we play this? Uh, yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, I, I'm really not into Bangladesh at all. I don't think their batting is up to it. And I think they're just vulnerable against top quality bowling. South Africa certainly have that. So regardless of the fact that I am very sceptical of South Africa without Quinton de Kock, um, you have to think they will win this game. They would deserve to be favourites. And they might not be a bad price, actually, because they've been underrated in all the matches, I think. Ed Hawkins, any side markets? Anything of note? Yes, one, two, three, four bets for you. Shoreful. A 60% return from nine games. I know it's only a short study sample, but uh, it's a worth a follow of a top bowler. Uh, Rabada and Not Jay, man of the match because of what we said earlier about how those awards are being handed out. Uh, Aidan Markram, 50% win rate for your top batsman. is your top rated batter on 
that market. So he's worth a follow and you're going to be able to get around about four to one. And Afifa saying 13 to two or better gives us value on win rate. And if I can just squeeze one more in, Nagidi top bowler, going to be value, probably 10 to three. If he doesn't play, which he won't, you get your money back. Well, squeeze Ted Hawkins. Um, Paul, who's voting your float here? Uh, absolutely agree with Rabada and not your man of the match combined. I think Bangladesh will be very vulnerable about them. Uh, I'm just very negative on Bangladesh's batting again. So it's an under situation, although I suspect they will set the line quite low. But Abu Dhabi is not a place generally for runs and probably using used pitches now. And I think probably 130 is quite a big ask for them. Okay, done. Thank you, guys. Quick game is indeed a good game. Drum roll, please, because now it is the best bets time. Ed Hawkins, please, can you give us the scores on the doors for the best bets, please? Paul Krishnamurti is hunting down Richard Mann on your best bets. He's 18.3 up. What have you got for us this time, Paul? Uh, first of all, I'll have two points on India and New Zealand, both to score 140 at, 100, at 6 to 5. Split a one-unit stake, half a unit each, on Kagiso Rabada and Amrik Norcha, man of the match against Bangladesh. And then I'll have a two-point treble on Afghanistan to beat Namibia, England to hit the most sixes and win the match against Sri Lanka, and South Africa to beat Bangladesh. Cricket only better. 107 is a wrap. Don't forget, though, we're coming back again next week. We'll be in your ears from Monday with more games to preview. We've got every single game covered on betting.betfair and we've got special offers on there too. So see you next time. <laughs>